all I feel is to have enough money to pay my bills and to get the food that I need, you know? I mean, that's all I ask. I've got a support worker now, so she's helping me deal with things, you know? Even so, it it comes down to really not having enough money to survive on. Conversations like this are really important because we want to say at every opportunity it's not okay that people are needing to rely on charitable food aid to feed themselves and their household. And actually we need as a society to be talking about it. Hello and welcome to the Disability Download brought to you by pan-disability charity Leonard Cheshire. On this podcast, we respond to current topics share stories and open up conversations about disability. Hi everyone and thanks for tuning in. My name is Nick and I'm your guest host for this month's episode. The cost of living crisis continues to dominate the news headlines and as we approach the winter months people will need more support. People like Martin who has autism and a visual impairment and recent experience of using a food bank. Martin talks to us about the cost of living crisis and its impact on his life. We also speak to Emma Greenwood at the Trussell Trust. The Trussell Trust has a national network of food banks across the UK and it provides emergency food support to people locked in poverty. It works to end the need for food banks in the UK. So let's get into the podcast. So with me today I've got Martin and Emma Greenwood from the Trussell Trust. Martin, Emma, thank you for joining us. Okay. It's great to be with you. Thank you. So, Martin, I'll start with you. Can you briefly tell me a bit about you? Well, I'm 56, getting older by the day, (laughs) going greyer by the day. I live in Newcastle-upon-Tyne. I'm also visually impaired, partially sighted, but my sight isn't brilliant. I mean, I've got a 47-inch TV and I have to basically be sitting on top of it to see it so you can tell how bad my sight is. I'm also autistic, which people that don't know about autism is that you see the world differently and there's sensory things like I can't bear loud noises, you know, like, it can sometimes get too much, say, if I'm in a shopping centre or whatever, or just in a shop. And because I'm partially sighted as well, I get the extra glare of lights and things like that. And it's just basically sensory overload that I suffer with. And what, what do you like doing? For myself, I'm actually a trained singer. Oh, um, nice. I was trained by a music teacher who was from the Royal Academy of Music in London. Fantastic. And, and so what, what kind of style of songs do you sing? I actually sing middle of the road, easy listening. I'm in a choir called Phoenix Choir for people that have experienced hardship or homelessness and things like that. And we do everything. But for me, musically... I'm actually making, in the process, doing a charity album for the Royal National Lifeboat Institution called River of Souls to remember the loss of life on RMS Titanic, which sank 110 years ago this year. So the money 
that is raised from that album, which is in the process of being done, is uh, going to the RNLI. Fantastic. Well, good good luck with that. And uh, th- yeah, that, that seems like a brilliant thing you're doing. So I look forward to look forward to hearing more about it. So many disabled people like yourself have been affected by the cost of living crisis. Um, can you tell me how it's affected you? Yeah, because now they've changed me over to universal credit, I have to only get paid twice a month. So that means each fortnight I've got to make food last a fortnight. So I tried. The only thing I can really buy, I'd love to buy healthy stuff. I know what I should eat. But to buy the healthy stuff costs twice as more as what it would to buy the rubbish stuff, if you know what I mean. Over the last couple of years, I have noticed my shopping bill go up from about £60 a fortnight. The last time I was paid, I spent over £120 on shopping, including delivery. So that gives you an idea. And that's each fortnight. So I'm losing out of the money I get about £100 out of that. And I only get about £300 to survive on for that fortnight. Which means, yes, I get disability benefits, but I'm happy to use the disability benefits to pay for other things like gas, electric and things like that. Mm-hmm. And that that disability benefit is supposed to be for me to have a better quality of life and for me to go out and socialise. And I can't do that. Right. So on the point about going out and socialising... What did you do before? Well, not a lot, really, because, again, with my autism, I find it hard to interact and I don't know how to, you know. But I did go out a lot more. I did go out for days out on my own and go to visit relatives that live in York and all that sort of thing. But now I just can't afford it. You know, my quality of life has tended to go downhill, especially since the pandemic all of us were in the same boat as it were through the pandemic but it seems disabled people are getting forgotten about and and you mentioned that that you can't afford the the, the healthy right. options in, in the supermarket so yeah what so what kind of things do, did you used to buy from the healthy stuff what what are you missing out on that, that you want to buy and what are you uh, having to buy instead well, basically, I tend to go for the cheaper stuff like, you know, I'd love to buy fresh meat, you know, home cooking casseroles and things like that. And I just can't always afford to do that. Yeah, the produce that you want to buy, you can't buy anymore. No, um, I, I, have to, I have to make a decision. Do I basically buy that and then not have enough money to to get other things that crop up do you know what i mean in that fortnight like when you're running a home like personal hygiene products and things like that i've got a cat you know i have to think about yeah i'm registered with the pdsa but he still needs like things like 
feast up and worming and things like that to make mm-hmm. his life, you know, better. Yeah. Uh, they're all extra expense, which has to be targeted into my shopping, you know. So one fortnight, it could be a little bit more than what I quoted, you know, because I'm buying a little bit of extra things like his cat litter and things like that. You don't buy it every time, but these are the extra expenses. Do you know what I mean? I do. And, and are you finding the extra expenses that you have are going, are going up? Yes. Yes, I do. The general expenses, you know, I mean, I'll, because of being visually impaired, I do a lot more washing than everybody else because I tend to spill a lot of food down me. Yeah. Not because of being lazy or whatever. It's because sometimes, you know, I can't see where, you know, or it's to whatever, you yeah. know. And it's those sort of things. that. So I've noticed detergent, you know, washing powder, go up 10 times fold. Some stuff you can't get from one supermarket. But I've actually changed a lot. Not the cat food, because he's fussy, so he'll only have one sort of thing. But for me, for my food, I I actually go to one of the discounters now because it's a lot cheaper and the quality is just as good. So when when you say the discounters, what do you mean, sorry? Uh, It's like places like Lidl and Aldi and places like that. Right. Rather than Morrison's, you know, or Sainsbury's or whatever. I yeah. tend to use them a lot more now than what I did before. But there are certain things that they don't do. Like, unfortunately, the place I use, they don't do home delivery. Well, you see, heavy stuff I can't carry. And I've got no way of transport unless I use a taxi and I don't have the money for a taxi to to keep doing that all the time. So I have to use, you know, for the heavy stuff and things like that, I have to use somewhere like Tesco or whatever. Being disabled does cost you a lot more as a visually impaired person until they can get a Night Industry 2000 kit that used to be on Night Rider then I don't think I'll be able to drive somehow. (laughs) That's my dream, is to have a car-like kit, and then I can drive. Well, maybe maybe one day. Yeah, Um, well, they've got driverless cars now, but I want one that I can communicate with. Maybe within our lifetime, Martin. Um, Might be. Not in my lifetime, I doubt it. (laughs) Well, you never know. So... um, so tell me about your experience of using a food bank and how have the Trust of Trust supported you? They've been very, very good. I know that, you know, they're a charity that get no government support, what have you. To be perfectly honest, in an ideal world, which we don't live in, but an ideal world, organisations like the Trust of Trust shouldn't wouldn't need to be in existence do you know what i mean because you know they they're there to support people like myself and i've found their help invaluable you know i really have knowing that they're there 
knowing that if you really need it, you can turn to it. Absolutely. Yeah. From your experience, what advice do you have that might help some disabled people who are understandably worried about the cost of living? I'm not an expert, but for your energy, most energy providers have to make reasonable adjustments. If you cannot or find in it struggle, they have to come to a payment arrangement which you can afford. They might say, oh, we want £140 a month, including usage. A lot of people can't afford that. You say to them what I can afford, and that's what you're going to get. And that is it. Or if you are in severe debt, most companies will now have a fund that you can apply to. You still have to make some sort of contribution that you agree with them. Plus also, let's see what the government deliver. Most people should have had the energy cost of living crisis payment. If you haven't, then you need to get on to the DWP or whatever to find out where it is. But I don't think this is enough. If if you're disabled, you will be getting, allegedly, you don't have to apply for these. Um, you should be getting £150 because of your disability. But I think it should be a lot more than £150, you know, because of whatever disability you have. It's to recognise that you have extra, like we were talking about, extra costs. Mm -hmm. Well, they're not living in the real world, you know. £150 is nothing. I mean, like, for me, if I need to replace a microwave, which I have got to do, I would ideally need a talking microwave, which I want to get, but they're about three to four hundred pound a pop. So yeah. they're not cheap. You know, it, it's really expensive. So £150, they say, oh, that's to help you replace things that you need. For a disabled person, whatever their disability, £150 ain't going to cut it. Yeah, sure. So... How, how are you feeling about the months ahead? I'm actually feeling a bit anxious, which doesn't help because I suffer with anxiety anyway. I'm actually quite scared because already I'm in pure poverty. And partly this comes down to my autism because this is really difficult for me to, to say that I can't always see the bigger picture so sometimes, well, most times, I feel the money that I get should be for me. So, of course, I know what I should pay, but sometimes it doesn't happen. Do you know what I mean? And that is due to my autism, not due to me not wanting to pay. The world is completely different to me to what it might be to somebody who hasn't. You know, they're able to organise their finances. They're able to discern where money should go. And that's why I find myself in a conundrum what I'm in now. So with the cost of living crisis now and the future, I know now that 
I'm not going to be able to make ends meet. And there's no help for people like ourselves. You know, there's no safety net for people that can't. And I'm, I'm not the only person I know that has this issue. It's not only people with autism, but I can't speak about other people with different disabilities. I can only talk about myself. I know I'm going to find it tough in the next few months. And not only that, not months, this could go on for years. Do, do you have any hopes for the future of what, what you want to see, what, what you want to do? If the government put our benefits up in line with inflation, that would help immensely, you know? And I don't understand things about inflation and and all this, that and the other. All I know is it affects us. I mean, you know, I am interested in politics, but I've got no faith in whoever is in government because they haven't had, a lot of them, haven't had a lived experience. How do they know what the people who are disabled or those on low income suffer? They don't. It would be beneficial if they spent at least a couple of years still doing their job, don't get me wrong, but living on the money that a lot of low families had to live on. Then they'd soon understand what it's like. That would that would certainly teach them a few things. Thank you so much, Martin, for all your insights so far. Is there anything else you want to add? Just to reiterate, really, that a lot of people who are disabled do have extra costs. And for me and my background, I still find it hard to go to a food bank, you know, because my background was I was homeless for many years. And therefore, every time I go, that's taking me back to that time in my life. I remember of where I didn't have, I had no idea where my next meal was coming from, you know, and that's how it feels now some days, you know, where I don't know where my next meal really is coming from. So for me, I can never separate my past. Do you know what I mean? It feels to me that I can't move on. What support do you feel you need to be able to help you move on? Basically, all, all I feel is to have enough money to pay my bills and to get the food that I need, you know? I mean, that's all, that's all I ask. I've got a support worker now, so she's helping me deal with things, you know? But okay. even so, it, it comes down to really not having enough money to survive on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, for your honesty and all and all of your insights. We really appreciate it. And um, I hope you can get all the support you need. And uh, I hope people in power listen to this. Emma, was there anything you wanted to add? Um, I mean, Martin, you're amazing. And it's been a real privilege to be part of this conversation. And as, as you say, Nick, I think this is the key is to get as many people hearing that voice and there's real wisdom and insight and and like you say Martin what you want is to be able to afford what you should rightly be able to do is to you know 
afford to be able to get the food you want and, and do the things that, that you want to do. So, yeah, uh, thank you so much. So before we finish this conversation, Emma, it would be good to hear from you. Can you tell us a bit more about the work of the Trussell Trust for our listeners at home? Yes, of course. So, well, firstly, I, I work as an area manager for the Trussell Trust. So that means I get to support food banks across the southwest, um, across Devon, Cornwall and a bit of Somerset. And basically, the Trussell Trust is a nationwide network of food banks. And together with those food banks, we provide emergency food and support to people that find themselves experiencing crisis or are locked in poverty. And alongside providing emergency food, we also, as a charity and organisation, campaign for change. Because like Martin said, when he was so so brilliantly describing his experience and, and his, his thoughts, is that we don't believe that food banks should exist. We want to be working towards a future where everyone can afford uh, the essentials and doesn't need to rely on charity so we have those two approaches one is we will do what we do for as long as necessary and, and try and do it as well as we possibly can distributing emergency food but we also want to support food banks in our network and use our national voice to campaign for change and, and think about some of the things that we would like to see that would lead to that future every food bank in our network are independent organizations and and are able to respond to their own unique settings and local communities but they have a common operational approach that they use so we work with a range of local agencies and support organizations so people are able to be referred into the food bank and also get hopefully the idea is is support any available support or advice or signposting to any service that would help address the underlying reason for their need for emergency food that's very helpful thank you and uh, what what relationship does the trussell trust see between disability and food banks well we do quite a lot of research into why people find themselves needing support from a food bank and actually the the statistics around the correlation between people with a disability and needing support from a food bank is really quite stark and startling so our recent research which was uh, published in uh, last year in 2021 showed that two in three households that are referred to a food bank included one or more people with a disability Mm. and then there's some more statistics around the effects of mental health and poor mental health we saw that affecting uh, just over half of households referred to a food bank so even within those statistics, we, we know that a quarter of someone affected by a long-term physical condition or illness, and nearly one in five people referred to us actually reported a physical disability. So we see that people with disabilities are disproportionately represented amongst people that turn to food banks for support. Right, right. What change needs to happen in our society so that no one needs to use a food bank? Yes, so we talk at Trussell Trust about three approaches. One is about changing communities. So ensuring that there's that support network, strong referral pathways, organisations that are linked up and know what each other are doing to be able, as I say, to get people linked in to any support that's available at the earliest opportunity. 
The second is around changing minds. And I think conversations like this are really important because we want to say at every opportunity it's not okay that people are needing to rely on charitable food aid to feed themselves and their household. And actually, we need as a society to be talking about it and, and thinking about some of those solutions and listening to the experiences of Martin and others who have had to turn to food banks and really understand why and, and to think about what could have been put in place or could be put in place to avoid that. And our third strand is around changing policy. And we talk specifically to national government about some of uh, the policy changes that might lead to less people needing uh, to rely on a food bank. And, and our main things at the moment, make sure that social security benefits are uprated in line with inflation, because as the costs of, of food and energy and things rise and the benefit levels remains the same, uh, people on benefits are, are just going to continue to struggle. And we want to make sure that there's a long term commitment from the government to ensuring that social security is adequate long term. Uh, so there are there are key our key asks and our key direction as a organisation. Yeah, I think Leonard Treasure would echo all of those calls. I think as well, one thing that strikes me, I mean, I don't have any personal lived experience of needing to turn to a food bank for support, but I've spent quite a lot of time in food banks and a lot of time supporting volunteer teams. And it's the sense of a lot of the systems and things like social security and other things like that that are set up to support people aren't often designed or influenced by people that that actually need that support and this idea that actually we need to really be listening to the, the voices of people that find themselves struggling and this sense of really learning from that experience and, and being able to adapt what we do to try and do it as well as we can to ensure that our services are accessible and are dignifying so yeah that would be my only my only other thing to add is that we've got a real commitment to just try and do what we do as, as well as we can and to ensure that dignity is enhanced at every opportunity. Excellent, thank you. I want to say thanks so much to Martin for sharing his story. It really does demonstrate how the cost of living crisis is affecting people. And we really appreciate Martin taking the time to talk to us about his experience. As I say, I really hope people in power at local and national levels listen to these messages. People like Martin and many others really need politicians to take note. Thanks to Emma at the Trussell Trust. Both Leonard Cheshire and the Trussell Trust are calling for the government to upgrade benefits in line with price inflation as previously promised. This must be done as soon as possible. For more on the cost of living crisis, head to Leonard Cheshire's website. You can find out more about Leonard Cheshire and the Trussell Trust in our show notes including useful links to the work of both charities. We'd love to know what you think. Get in touch by emailing us at disabilitydownload at leonardcheshire.org or contacting us on Twitter or Instagram at Leonard Cheshire. And if there's a guest you really want to hear, reach out and let us know. And don't forget to like, share and subscribe to the podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Nick and this has been the Disability Download.